Welcome to 40N. I'm Annie. And I'm Ellen. We're here to talk about mental health, gossip, and everything in between. Settle in. It's time for your weekly dose of psychobabble and other shit. Hi, everyone. Just a quick note that due to coronavirus, we have actually moved our support groups online temporarily. Well, for as long as the social isolation mandates go on. So the good news is that anyone can now join in our support groups, whether you live in Los Angeles or not. Um, As long as you're in California, please feel free to reach out to us. We would love to be there for you at this time, which has been so hard for everyone. Uh, Our website is www.gemmed.ngo. Look forward to talking to you soon. Hi there, and welcome back to another episode of 40N, your favorite podcast for a weekly dose of psychobabble and other shit. Um, Coming at you live from quarantine again, this is Ellen here, um, and I'm joined by my sister Annie, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist. And she gives us all the information about mental health and everything. Essentially, today, our episode, we're going to focus on our psychobabble portion about isolation. So, obviously, it's happening a lot more right now. Um, But isolation in general has increased in America over the past, like, however many years. So, we're going to talk about kind of that trend, um, as well as isolation now and the effects that it has on physical health, mental health, and all that stuff. And then for our fun stuff portion, we are going to do our ultimate literary boyfriend battle. (laughs) I've made made a bracket, and we're going to go through all of our literary boyfriends and determine who is the ultimate winner. It's really appropriate because, like, one of the things that people do when they're, like, in solitary confinement or they're, like, super isolated is they make up, um, like, magical friends or imaginary friends and talk to them. So we can just talk about our imaginary literary boyfriends, Uh, the the famous ones. We got some niche ones as well that probably no one will know about, but maybe. So let's go ahead. Obviously, we're all dealing with a lot of isolation right now. And I kind of forgot because I remember learning in college and uh, when I was getting my master's as well about the really, really intense effects actually of isolation and how it's a huge detriment. I mean, of course, to mental health. I think that goes without saying, but there's a big, big physical health component too. It's one of the highest predictors of mortality which I think is like so shocking to hear. And I guess that, that's not uh, where like, the, I know, isn't that, isn't that nuts? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll get into all that in a second. But overall, you know, isolation has, like you said, been increasing over the past um, about 50 years. And there was a really big um, essay that later turned into a book that came out in 1995 that's called Bowling Alone. It's self-titled about the collapse and revival of the American community. And it argues that, well, number one, the title is called Bowling Alone because there's this like really weird trend of more people in America. You guys, more people in America are bowling than ever. Um, (laughs) People are, more people are bowling than ever. And um, they're also, but they're bowling alone. Like people aren't going out with their friends and bowling. They're just bowling by themselves, which is like really fucking weird to me. But it, it, it's, it's really highlights how like this once, like it's obviously a communal thing that people do, but people just aren't doing it with other people. And then it kind of goes on to talk about the, that like increased self-isolation is actually, is going to long-term have huge impacts on our society as a whole, because our country is built upon uh, interaction with small communities. So like people participating in like education and politics and civics organizations and teams and all that kind of stuff. And And that's just like gone, you know, like, you know, 50 years ago, like people were in unions, people were in like the Freemasons or like the Kiwanis Club or like the Knights Templar and like all that kind of stuff. And people, you know, okay, went, <laughs> and people went to, you know, like education meetings. It was like a big 
opportunity to socialize with other people and like local politics were a lot more of a big deal back then. And a lot of that has really started, I mean, most of that has really started to decline. And in this essay, which later became a book, it was just really arguing there's going to be huge social ramifications because our country is built on community. Um, And it's actually so funny when I was reading this because I started watching that um, new HBO show, The Plot Against America. Um, yeah, I kind of wanted to check that out. It's pretty good. It's definitely, it's a slow burn. It's not a big, like, action show. It's, I would, it's not like, um, I was expecting, what was that one on FX that was, like, the, the one that was, like, about the spies and, and like, the, you know. Oh, you the American. Yeah, it's definitely, like, not like that. And which is funny because that's kind of how HBO sort of build it. Um, but it's about, so it's based on this, it's based on an alternate history of World War II where if Charles Lindbergh had beaten FDR in the presidential race and who was an, he was an isolationist and he was a fucking um, anti-Semite and how. He was also, um, what's the word? Racist? No, it's not xenophobia. Yeah. It's, it's not a xenophobe. It's like a step up for xenophobia. Oh, I don't know. Um, it's the one where it's like, I'll look it up. I don't know. I'm not sure what that is. Yeah, but very like was against participating in the war like at all and like was really supported by like the not just the isolationist community, but like the German community. So it it is um, it follows a, a Jewish family through this like alternate history of the United States. Like if this had happened and what would that have been like? So it's good. It's I mean, it's super well acted. It's very like it's super realistic. It just feels like you're in the forties when you're watching it. I love Winona Ryder and she's in it too. I just think she's such a great actress, even though she's like kind of cuckoo, but it's, it's, so it's really good. And as I was watching the show, what I noticed was like, like, I think the byproduct of it being so realistic about that time is also like things have changed so much. Like we don't do, we don't get together the way they do in that show. Like there's, they're always like talking with their neighbors. There's obviously there's a big like political slant to the show, but they're like, you know, they're out on like this, you know, the porch and like, you know, everyone's like, you know, hemming and hawing about like, you know, like it's just this big like community thing. Like they're going to like, um, clubs, they're going like the um, two female leads in the show, they're going to these like teacher union meetings, like there's just so much like community going on. And it's it's really different. It's just like super fucking different than how we live now. I mean, it looks nice too. When I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like people like talking to their neighbors, like no one like does that. I mean, I certainly don't. Um, I think the most, mom, I, does. mom, mom does. does. Well, mom is like, do. so that era though you know like I think like that's like a very much a byproduct of like our grandparents I think I've talked to my neighbors more in the past two weeks than I ever have because people are so like hungry for I don't know interaction with people like you came over to do your laundry um because you don't have a, a laundry thing so you use my laundry last weekend and like one of my neighbors across the street I like came out of the house and she was like talking with you and you were like yeah she like came out of the house the with like me and like mom and dad and like friends yeah that's true so and we'll talk about that like there's actually a bit there there's a key difference in isolation versus loneliness and isolation I should say is actually not a predictor 
for like, you know, physical health issues and mental health issues, but loneliness, which is perceived isolation, that is. Um, and I think that the reason a lot of people are feeling that more now is because it's kind of like what you said around a forced kind of isolation because there's so much talk about it and there's so much focus right now on like being alone and everyone's alone I just think it's kind of bringing it to the forefront of everyone's brain whereas like before I mean if you just like work from home and like you don't see a whole lot of people it just probably like doesn't come into your the forefront of your mind the way it's like such a topic of conversation now I think everyone's like yeah I am like pretty lonely and just bringing it more and I think that like so in terms of what's led to this increase of isolative patterns over the past, you know, couple decades, um, I mean, obviously technology is a huge piece of that. So like people just don't have to have as much face-to-face interaction. And then there's also people who like are, who choose to like entertain themselves alone, right? So like, it's not just like having, you you can work remotely um, now, which is obviously like right now a huge thing but like you know it's been increasing for a while people like telecommuting I mean like our dad has always had a semi-remote job and worked from home like for the past like probably like 20 years or more and then you know there's an increase in being able to entertain yourself alone so like in the 40s like after like in that show I'm watching like they all like listen to the radio together and they like have dinner together every night and they like go like on walks and like they um they'll like sit around and like they'll like watch like a tv show like that kind of stuff it's it's very it's a communal kind of thing and with increased technology things just aren't as communal I think also that a big reason for it is that there's increased anxiety overall as a society um, if you're interested in this topic, there's a really good book called Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. And it's about how we as humans are actually not meant to function at a level of heightened anxiety that we're in. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, like if you're dealing with a stressful email, it's going to set off the same nervous system that would protect you from being chased by a lion. So, your body registers it all the same. And so a lot of us, our cortisol system is constantly like humming at a medium to like low to low to medium level in a way where it's really not meant to. It's meant to spike under extreme circumstances, but our body just hasn't caught up, frankly, to technology and the constant stress of always having to be working nowadays. And I think... Yeah, I, I have felt that with, like, mm-hmm. and, like, email stuff, where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, my God. And I've gone into, like, insane mode when, mm-hmm. like, you know, I get, like, a bitchy email from someone yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, like, it's about to go down. Yeah, it, like, hits you in a way. And I think, I mean, it's so, it's so funny. I think, like, there was that, like, I love this meme where it's, like, the most relatable <laughs> part of Tiger King and it's a pic it's like a picture of like Carol and Baskin and she says like oh no I got an email <laughs> no, oh yeah that looks good yeah yeah, yeah. that's me every every time I'm looking I'm like oh okay yeah and yeah yeah and it's just and so I think that that anxiety is then getting manifested in people feeling overwhelmed on a regular basis so turning towards withdrawal more because it's like, oh, I need to be alone because I'm feeling so overwhelmed um, because of the constant state of anxiety and stress that we're under that we're really just not, we haven't evolved to deal with yet. And then, you know, there's also less time to socialize now as well. There's less boundaries at work um, because of technology. You know, people just have like busy fucking right. schedules now. Again, it's like going back yeah. to like, you know. There's the, no like endpoint with work. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just, you know, we we commute a lot, like as a society, we work long hours, there's only so many hours a day, and then you have to like, do errands and go grocery shopping and like cook and feed yourself and like exercise if you're into that. And like all that kind of stuff just takes time. So there's just not a lot of extra leftover time to socialize unless you really, really make it a priority, you know, and you carve that time out of yourself usually ahead of time. So I think that we can first talk about the effects on physical health that isolation has on everyone. So like Mm -hmm. we said earlier, it's a big determinant of mortality. And that's because 
humans are meant to be social creatures. And I, and like I said before, it's because perceived social isolation, which is loneliness, is a risk factor for morbidity and mortality, independent of like objective social isolation, if that makes sense. So like you, two people can be in the same circumstance and one person can be very lonely when they're not around other people. And another person can be like, this is fine. This is what I, this is what I prefer. I'm just more of a homebody. I'm more of a hermit. I'm, you know, I'm not super social. And those same circumstances, your those two people, their body and their health and their mental health are going to um, react very, very differently to that. So you can, and I think there's also the important point of like, you can also be around a lot of people and be really lonely. You know what I mean? Like you can be, you know, in a crowd of people or like work with people who like, you feel like don't get you and still be very, and still feel very, very lonely. Yeah. So some of the physical health effects, I mean, it's just like a fucking laundry list. So if you are, if you feel lonely and you feel isolated, you're at highly increased risk for cardiovascular disease, higher cholesterol, low immune functioning, higher inflammation, depression, death, decreased cognitive functioning, and sleep issues. And I mean, it sounds like a, it sounds like a, um, one of those commercials for like <laughs> the risk, yeah, oh gosh, the risk factors if for have, medication. Yeah. Like that laundry list of thing. And uh, there's there's been a lot of studies to look at why this is and like what is going on there and it's and the the thing is is that when you are around other people you have oxytocin released in serotonin which are protective factors and hormones for against all of that stuff and the the bad guy that gets released when you're alone um, is cortisol so when you're al- when you perceive yourself to but be what about Mm-hmm. What about when you said about people who feel alone, even like in a crowd? Like, yeah. Then what's happening? Same, because you because when you feel very alone and you feel like you are lonely and you can't see other people, um, then your body be, goes into a state of stress. And when your body goes into a state of stress, that's when your your cortisol hormone gets released, and cortisol is just absolutely detrimental to your body and it goes back to that book um, zebras don't get ulcers you are only supposed to have cortisol in in times of true fight or flight it is meant to get you away from a lion it is it isn't it's I mean it's like thank god we have it you know it can it can help you if you're like in a fight or if someone attacks you or you know you need to like protect your life but you don't need it when you get a bitchy email, but your body unfortunately doesn't know how to how to figure out the difference between the two and it releases the cortisol anyway. And that's what happens with social isolation. And so the, the evolutionary um, reason behind that is because again, like there's high danger for humans if we're not in groups, right? So like when we evolved, um, we're like, I don't know, pack animals, I guess you could say. And it's your your evolutionary coding is going to want to push you to be with other people because otherwise it is a state of high stress and you are going to get hurt and it's a bad thing. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So because we're not meant to be in isolation, that's why our body reacts in that way where it's like it's trying to promote us to be around other people, you know? So you have this like stress release, right. this cortisol release where it's like, get back, get back to the herd, <laughs> like get back to the tribe. Like this is bad for you because evolutionary, evolutionarily it was bad for you. Interestingly, loneliness peaks in adolescence and young adulthood. And then it peaks again in old age, um, which I find very interesting. I mean, I think we all kind of know or can deduce that yes, people start to get lonelier when they're in old age. You're you're housebound more. Your friends, you know, start dying, which is like you know really oh sad. God. It's true. It's it's what happens. I know when I say that. I know it is really yeah, sad. Yeah, but with the younger, it makes it makes sense when you're like just thinking about our own like teenage clients at jobs. Like, yeah. They're all super lonely. Uh huh. You, you feel like you don't fit in, mm-hmm. like no one understands you, you have mm-hmm. all this pressure to like be cool and, and like 
start dating and like all that stuff. Like, yeah. I, I don't remember specifically feeling lonely in, in I remember like feeling like, oh, like if you get left out of something. But I don't, I don't remember feeling like lonely in my like not in college. Me too. I thought I I felt it far more in college. I and I'm not sure why. I I think it was because it was for me going from junior high to high school was an easier transition, and going from high school to college was very difficult. And yeah. I think that's why I felt. And I felt very. Um, you know, we were really like sheltered growing up. So I feel like when I went to college, like I was just. I was really behind in terms of like benchmarkers and like, I, I just felt like I felt, I did feel quite different from a lot of people. Like I didn't, Oh yeah. you know, sure. like I felt really, I felt really sheltered and people would say that to me too. Like, Oh, you're such like a, you're like just very sheltered. And it's like, it's true, but I felt like, you know, I didn't. I know, but yeah. yeah. And people and like, cause we called it like, Oh yeah. Everybody said it to me like, Oh, Alan, like you're such a prude. Or, like you're so this, <laughs> like you're supposed to, Oil. Yeah, because like, you as your like I'm sorry, like yeah. I like I don't even know what you want me to do. Like I'm sorry that like I'm not out having sex. Like, like well, it was hair. that, and then it was like you know there was a, I just feel like there was this big thing like when I went to college of like because I went to college with girls that I knew as well from we went to Angeles High School and so mm-hmm. um and I, I I and I saw this too like I, back on Facebook back in the day where it was like. I felt like a lot of people were like acting like, yeah, I've been like drinking and partying all my life. And like, you know, and I'm like, like what are you talking you. about? Like I see you were in great books with me. <laughs> like you, like the nerd society oh, wow. at high school. Like you were not like the bad chick. Um, so, but I mean, it's like, it goes back to like people trying to like reinvent themselves, but that just like, wasn't like my thing really. It was, so I don't know. I remember, I agree. I remember feeling really lonely then. And I think it's really interesting because there is that spike in teenage and young adulthood for loneliness that there's also a huge spike in mental health diagnoses for I mean across the board for everyone and that I mean it's it's especially true with depression bipolar schizophrenia anxieties yeah definitely a little bit more I mean it's it's pretty eating disorders it's addiction it's true for everything except um, like ADHD basically, um, and PTSD, which is more external events rather than internal. So I, I think it's very interesting that there's such a correlation between like the spike in loneliness and also the spike yeah. in mental health issues, um, that come up for a lot of people. And in terms of like mental health effects of so, like, we definitely went through like a <laughs> frightening list of physical health effects. Um, in terms of mental health, consequences of being isolated or lonely I mean I don't know if you guys have ever seen like what what are those shows like locked up or the fantastic Netflix show jailbirds if you haven't watched it like it's such a fucking good show I hope they do a season two I haven't heard anything I think people liked it like I'm pretty sure people definitely liked it they should release it now it's capitalized on this now I know yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Girls Incarcerated is also, that was like literally my job. In my, so it's that almost like traumatizing. Girls Incarcerated is like interesting. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, there's some ballers for you, like, weird. But, like, it's not Gilbert, off the rails. Like, <laughs> this way Gilbert was off the rails, <laughs> out of control. Like, really well done. Like, it's not like trashy, like, no. fucked up. It, it was like really well done, really well produced, but, like, crazy. Yeah. Absolute craziness. Like, I'm the, like fascinated by jail, by like jail life. Jail and culture. this is jail, so different from prison. But I'm yeah. like fascinated by. But they go to the prison too, remember? They go to because um, they transition to some of the inmates transition from the jail to the well, prison. Some of them did, but, yeah. the, but the most of the show is focused because it was yeah. called Jailbirds. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I just think like. I just think it's, it's, it's such a great show. And, you know, it's very, you know, I worked a lot in like the, I worked a lot in the the juvenile justice system and my, like my first round of like being a therapist. And then I worked in um, residential group homes as well for kids. And like, I'm just such a proponent, proponent of like, when you put people in cages, like they become animals. And I have seen it time and time again with like really, really good, not, I don't want to say good, like really like 
some pretty adjusted kids, you know, some, they've got issues, you know, they got arrested, like, obviously, like, things aren't going great, but, like, they're, they're pretty, like, quote-unquote normal, normalized, and holy shit, like, you see that kid two weeks after being in juvenile hall, they are a different person, they are a different person, and, um, and a lot of that has to do with isolation and loneliness, because they're around other people, but you're not around your family, and they absolutely use um, solitary, not solitary confinement. You can't do that with kids, but they do, um, oh, I can't remember what it was called. There's like a name for it. But if you're acting up and you're deemed as quote unquote a danger to other people, then they'll then they'll lock you up in a little cell by yourself. I used to have to walk by them when I would go Bye. like see um, the other kids. And it's like terrifying. There's like little eyes like watching you from like a mail slot from the thing. I'm just oh. like, I, I swear to God, it's like, it's crazy. If, if you're interested in it, the third season of Serial where they follow a courthouse in, I believe it's Ohio, they just follow the day-to-day. It's it's great. It's a fantastic series. It'll make you like ter- like just so inflamed around the, the justice system as a whole. But I think it was like the last three episodes, they have a huge focus on juvenile hall. And it's just like, it's so accurate. It's so accurate to the fucked up nature that of uh, what goes on in, in jails, whether it's adults or kids. Um, anyway, big, big tangent there. But isolation in jail, if you ever watch any of those shows and you see people and what happens to them when they're in solitary confinement, people lose their fucking mind when they're in solitary confinement. They, they, it, it is not helpful. They go off the rails. They have um, hallucinations. They become volatile. They become extremely angry. Um, they're right. much more likely to reoffend in and out of jail. Like it's just a recipe for totally. fucking disaster. And it's because again, it goes back to that cortisol release of like, if you're in solitary confinement, then, um, your, your body is going to go on fire or flight mode. So like once you're back in a general pop, when you've been, um, released from like whatever solitary confinement you've been in, then you're, you're, a t- you're a ticking time bomb, you know, like if anyone does anything to you or you're in fight or flight mode and you're going to react in such a way. So I think it's, uh, really bears looking at is like, okay, so we're all in solitary confinement kind of right now because there's a quarantine going on. So no wonder a lot of people are struggling. And in specific, looking at, or to be just specific, to look at the effects that this has on some kind of overarching themes of mental health. So anxiety, the more lonely that you are, research shows that the less able you are to deal with stressful situations. And that's because if you're lonely and you're flooded with cortisol and your body's in fight or flight, whether you realize it or not, you're overwhelmed, right? So like your nervous system is not able to take in new information. So that's when like sending that text or, you know, going outside or meeting up with friends actually does feel like a huge burden to bear and a huge hill to climb over because you're already overloaded with stress and you just don't Uh realize it. So then on top of that, so that, well, that kind of speaks to like the social anxiety piece as well. And then depression, um, loneliness, of course, is a huge risk factor for developing depressive symptoms because they tend to increase when you are alone. Um, And then it can often worsen your symptoms as well. And then I think the last big category to discuss is like addiction and eating disorders. So shame behaviors, which are a big undercurrent around addiction and eating disorders. And addiction, I don't just mean, you know, alcohol and drug use. It's addiction to gambling, um, online gambling, addiction to buying things, um, sex addiction, anything that falls under that category. And a lot of times eating disorders are have show addictive behavior or addictive tendencies as well. So that shame, that shame factor, um, exists in isolation. So with those disorders, they're actually going to, it's like, if we're looking at it in terms of like you, uh-huh. you versus your, your addicted part or your eating disorder part, that part that's struggling is actually going to want you to be alone. Oh yeah, for 
sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like a big internal battle that I think a lot of people have to deal with where it's like, okay, so my healthy self knows that I need to be around other people. But then my addicted part of myself or my eating disorder part knows that it can quote, like, quote unquote, get away with behaviors if I am not isolated or if I am isolated. That's why it's important, like, right now. It's, Mm -hmm. like, you have, like, a history of addiction or any sort of, like, you know, substance abuse, you know, whether it's, like, an eating disorder or, um, like, drugs, alcohol, whatever. It's important to make sure right now that you're, you know, communicating with people. If you're, like, in AA, like, making sure you're checking out with your sponsor, things like that, you know, to make sure that, you know, you don't slip through the cracks. Exactly. And now yeah. is like the perfect storm for mm-hmm. you know all that stuff to to ramp back up again. Mm-hmm, 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 absolutely. And the reason that it's such a protective factor to be around other people um, is because so so when we have human connection, and this is through being in the vicinity of the people, but a big piece of it is through physical touch as well. You have oxytocin released and oxytocin then also connects to or like has a dual effect of releasing serotonin as well and that's a huge protective factor towards any of those bad things that we talked about like the inflammation and um the cortisol release it reverses and uh decrease it or and or decreases all of those negative um side effects And that's because um, the serotonin and the oxytocin are from the reward center of the brain. And that's because um, skin-to-skin contact is a primal need, right? So we, we need, as a young child, oxytocin and serotonin to be released because we need to be, we need to have that reinforced, right? So it comes from a reward center of the brain perspective where if I'm a child, I need to have something rewarding me towards seeking out like my mother, you know, or my family, because again, it's protective, Uh right, to be around other people. There's a big, uh, or there's an important study. Have you ever heard of like the cloth monkey study? The cloth monkey versus the wire monkey? Cloth monkey? Cloth, no. yeah, cloth, cloth monkey versus the wire monkey. I love it so much. Okay, just to get ready. So it's actually kind of sad. So there, there was an experience. I think it was, like, no. it was a while. It was a while ago. I think it was like in the fifties, where they had a baby monkey, a baby baby, like tiny, tiny, really young, that had been removed from its mother, and it was still in like a nursing stage. And so they put it. They had two options. So they had like a a wire mother monkey. That was like just made out of wires and it yeah. had food. It had like milk that the baby could get. And then they had yeah. another, another like dummy that was covered in cloth. Like it was soft. It felt like fur, but it did oh. not, but it didn't have any food attached to it. And the baby always chose the, the furry mother monkey without food over the wire monkey with food and what we can learn from that is that like skin to skin comfort and contact and that oxytocin release that came with that whether it's a monkey or a human is more important than food right so like that's like pretty fucking crazy when you think about it yeah that is crazy you know so i in terms of like we look if we look at like maslow's hierarchy of needs it's like oh like what's the most important it's like food and shelter you know health and safety it's like well an important one and you know from this experiment what we can learn is an even more important one than food is skin to skin, skin to skin contact and contact with other people. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. And there's a term for uh, it too. It's called. Um, I want to adopt that monkey. And <laughs> I think it was a very long time ago. I'm sure this. I mean, it's not like they like removed it permanently, but it was just like. Um, Did they give him food? eventually after I mean after the experiment was over it's not like he was trapped in there forever I mean it's like a couple hours you know or it might have been longer than that but yeah they didn't like let it you know die or anything but I think that an important piece mental health wise and going back to kind of what we were saying around about addiction of all this is so if oxytocin and serotonin are the reward center of our brain it's what makes us feel good it's what motivates us to do the things we need to do to survive um if there is a disruption 
in that reward center, then that increases the likelihood that we are going to turn to other reward behaviors instead, right? So if you, um, and this is like on a small factor, or I mean, like a young, young age factor, where if you're a young kid, and you're removed from your parent, or you're not able to have that like skin to skin contact, um, the failure to thrive kind of um, scenario, then you're much more likely to turn towards other reward behaviors. And that looks like you're gonna be more yeah, primed for fun. addiction or an eating disorders, anything that will numb out um, or release serotonin, which like drugs do, like that releases serotonin. And there's a, and it's not just drugs, there's a lot of other things that can give you a high and can release serotonin that are behavioral as well. Like doing a puzzle. That would not be <laughs> one of them. That would be like... I finished the puzzle outside and I was on cloud nine. Well, so that would be like a low reward serotonin. So you're like a healthy developed person. So you don't have the same empty serotonin receptors as someone who hasn't gotten their need meant. So like that's, it's actually a really good point because someone who, you know, is really looking to have those needs met in a big way, then they're not going to be fulfilled by these like little simple, like pleasures in life, like the way, like someone who had normal development is, uh, which is, a you know, again, going back to like, we need to look at ourselves or like other people right now who might be struggling with some of the stuff in terms of, isolation and what that might mean to their mental health. So let's talk about how to combat isolation or loneliness. I mean, because really it's like the loneliness factor that's the most important. So if you... Right now or in general? I think it's, I mean, these rules apply anytime, but I think that like they still work overall as well. I think it's just something to be more mindful um, yeah. right now. List them. So, okay. Are you, is your body ready? <laughs> I am ready. <laughs> so, um, number one, obviously like meaningful connection has to be developed. So like we said before, it's not just being around other people. It's being around people that you feel connected to and you feel like get you and feel like care about you. So I say this because it's not like, you know, if I have like, you know, 20 phone calls with like people I know this week and it's like, oh, this isn't working for me. It's like, well, it needs to be with people who you feel like you can be honest and vulnerable with and like laugh with and you feel like you have like an actual connection with. Um, can just be like acquaintances yes exactly yeah yeah it's like deep connections and we don't need that many like you know research shows that like in order to have that serotonin release and to feel accepted and needed and loved like you don't have to have like you know 10 20 50 close friends you just need like a couple and that's mm-hmm. fine and that does it yeah and Brene Brown talks about that in terms of like vulnerability when she's mm-hmm. like you know she talks about vulnerability but she's like you know don't don't confuse you know the importance of being vulnerable um, with like quantity over quality. Mm -hmm. So she's like, just because I'm telling you to be vulnerable in like your daily life, you know, it means so many different things. But when she's talking about being vulnerable in terms of expressing things of shame and fear and those types of like things to other people, Mm -hmm. um, she's like, you know, only pick like one or two people to like, she's like, it shouldn't be with everybody because then it's not really being, you're not really like being that vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And it's like in terms of sharing things, like it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, and you have to make sure you're picking people who can empathize and like understand because if you go around telling like your neighbors and everything about like your shame, then they're going to be like, Oh, okay. You're going to be less like feeling worse. Yeah. You told your best friend who's like, Oh my God, like I totally understand why you felt that way. Here's something that happened to me Mm -hmm. that, you know, made me feel that way. And so then it's like a shared experience as opposed to, like, <laughs> oh, and then someone like abandoning you because they're overwhelmed and they don't know how to respond to it which is actually like oh, yeah, more yeah, damaging yeah, like, you shouldn't share don't share your shame with everyone yeah. Good people. <laughs> yeah 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 and I think also a big piece of it is also planning regular meetings with people so like whether this is like once a day or once a week or once a month like keeping each other accountable like hey this was really helpful to me like it was so good to talk to you I really needed this like can we do this again on this date you know can we do this again in two weeks and like kind of um asking 
um, the other person and, you know, making sure that for yourself too, you're both keeping each other accountable to this because it's so easy to just like let it go or to like let that anxiety kind of creep back in and like, oh, they don't want to talk to me. It's not okay, but it is okay. And it's something where it's easier to overcome if there's an expectation. So I always like tell people like create an expectation for yourself and other people that you're going to do it again on this date and time. Um, and then it's even, even if it something comes up, there's more of a reschedule. I don't want to say burden, but like there's an expectation also to reschedule as well, if that makes sense. Right, 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 right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a little harder right now, but I think in in my opinion, the one of the best antidotes to loneliness is, and isolation is to volunteer and to help other people. So I always encourage people to look into yeah, ways that they can, one. yeah, the ways that they can give back is actually like research has shown that it's um, one of the, one of the only things that you can do that like really, really gives you like a hit of serotonin when you're depressed. It, it really helps. It's a very, very important um, coping skill that you can use. So um, that can look like, you know, volunteering at an animal shelter. I think it's best with people um but animals are great too so volunteering at like an animal shelter or like a a homeless shelter or even like if you um change dot or not change.org um volunteermatch.org is a great place to look for just like different volunteer opportunities we get a lot of our volunteers at gem from there and it's people who are just like using their like time and talent um it can look like being a uh I, I'm trying to think what they're called now. So when I used to work in foster care, we called them like special friends. I feel like that's probably not it. <laughs> I feel like Priscilla yeah, says probably not like it. Like a big brother, like big brother, yes. big sister. Big brother, big sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so <laughs> big brother, big sister. Actually, like they don't need big sisters. Um, there's like that. There's, yeah, that doesn't yeah need they need big yeah. brothers. It's like, it's such, it's such an important piece. Um, there's uh, like the place I used to work with child help that you can be a, um, a special friend there. Um, you... <laughs> and that just looks like, you know, writing like the kid that you're matched with. You can like call them. You can see them like once a month. I'm actually going to start doing it once I, um, yeah, more time on my hands. Um, and you go to like their performances once or twice a year. And it's like, it's so, it's so important. Like you, I used to see like kids that were just like, I mean, some hardened kids that were just like, you like, they just like, you know, act like they give a fuck about anyone or anything. And like, they would get like a postcard, like from their special friend and they would be like, Oh my God, like, did you see what my special friend like wrote to me and like all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, they really care and it really matters. And it's, it's important. So that's, that for me is like a huge one that I really try and advocate planning. So yeah. So volunteering, planning, regular meetings with people. Um, I think getting a pet is a huge one. If you're feeling lonely, just having something else in the house, that's like living and breathing is really, really important. And that you can take care of. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it focuses your energy on like, here's like, this is worthwhile. This is important. Something needs me. You know, I matter uh, to this animal. It's, it's a big. And they love you. It's like a little way to get like unconditional love. Mm -hmm. My my life without my cat would be like so lonely. Yeah. 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 I can't imagine. Yeah. I think you, I think you bring a really important point with like the unconditional love because it's so true. They're so cute. So those are my um, takeaways. Again, there's no like, there's no, uh, I don't want to say like right or wrong. There's no like easy fix, you know, to loneliness, but I think it's a really, it's a really easy one. Um, Or those are a couple of easy ones that you can, you know, implement really easily. So something to be, something to be mindful of. And I think like, just to wrap up, like, please like be mindful to reach out to like your vulnerable friends or family members that might be extra dealing with loneliness right now. So this would look like people who are single, um, people who like, don't, oh, well. <laughs> it's true. or people who like don't have any friends or not any friends, but like don't have any pets, you know, in the house or like, you know, maybe don't have as many people who reach out to like who deal with social anxiety. Um, oh. anyone who deals with addiction, eating disorders, depression, or anxiety, I would really tell everyone like now is a good time to just check in on those people and make them feel like they matter too. Yeah, like, and then like, 
Yeah, are you using right now? Yeah, that's not like how we want to open the conversation. (laughs) But yeah, just checking in on them as like from like, you know, as from one human to another. Okay, so let's move on to our um Okay. All right, lead the way, Ellie. Oh my god. Who are our key players today? Let's start contenders. Okay. And then I'm holding the bracket in front of me, and then I'm just going to read them off. Okay. All right. We've got Mr. Darcy, obviously. Okay. Yeah. Mr. Darcy, and I'm picturing him um, as Matthew McFadden from 2005. Fuck. Duh. Yeah. Definitely not Colin Firth. I hate the Colin Firth line. The Colin Firth line. I hate that one. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it. Edward. Edward Cullen. Yeah. Duh. He's like an anti-hero. Um, oh, totally. But he's like a good guy. Oh, I agree. Yeah, for sure. No, I think Scarlett is more like our anti-hero. Because she's just like crazy, but we love her. I think we're just more like accepting of Rhett's behaviors today. I think like when Gone with the Wind came out, he was like a scoundrel. <laughs> but like to now, we're like, eh, like Rhett's not so bad. <laughs> dirty dog. <laughs> um, okay, Jamie Fraser yeah. from Outlander. Love. Mr. Rochester without you can't get Mr. Rochester without <laughs> it's a package Mr. deal. <laughs> and the, like Maybe I my favorite thing about Mr. Rochester and Jane Eyre is like <laughs> so like Bertha, his wife is like from um oh what's it um from the she's from like Cuba or the Dominican Republic or um it's like from the yeah yeah she's from like the Dominican Republic and you know it's like they call it a different name in the book because back then it was just referred to as like the tropics or something. Yeah. And so, like, Rochester, like, goes down, and she's, like, the pride and jewel of the town. But, like, her name, she's, like, a beautiful foreign <laughs> woman from, like, probably what's now Cuba, named Bertha. Bertha. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is, like, such, like... <laughs> she's mysterious. She's wild. She's crazy. She's hot. She's Bertha. Bertha. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. Like, what? What? like how culturally well it's also like well it's it's so like it just shows how like culturally stunted like you know <laughs> England was like back in the day they're like oh yes like people you know in tropical islands thousands and millions of miles away are for sure named our names like they're for sure named right. Jane and Bertha and you know yeah, Susan her name been, like Maria or Rosa or um, Elsa or yeah. Lena, something that's actually like slightly more okay. on the nose. Yeah. Okay. Um, Luke Brandon. I added this in. Who's that? Oh, okay. Okay, got you. It's niche, but it's one of my favorite book series. I think that's a good addition. Okay. Picture Hugh Dancy from the movies. He's great. He's like smart, funny. Yeah.
Oh, they're fine. Oh, yeah. is like supposed to, he's like punk. He's like, how do I describe him? He's like dog food. Like tortured. Tortured. Um, kind of like a heat clip. I didn't put yeah. heat clip on here because I ran out. So Harden is like a modern heat clip. For sure. He's like yeah. a tortured soul. He, he like says he's not interested in you, but in secret he like loves you. He's covered in tattoos. Yeah. Um, so that's like that's Harden. Um, then we have Peta. Peta Mother. Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Who, I don't know. To me, he's the first to go. He's like, wah, wah. <laughs> Let me see. Um, Jay Gatsby. Oh, did you not put Gail from? No, we didn't have that for Annie. I would, I would, I, I, when I was reading Hunger Games, I was always like, I would get so frustrated with Katniss because I was always like, why? I just was not, in, I agree, not into PETA. And I was like, oh, Gail is for sure like the obvious choice here. But that was like. Well, that's not how the cookie crumbles. Yeah, for definitely. Okay. Um, Jay Gatsby, great. Yeah. Love, love yeah. him. Jacob Black. Uh-huh. Twilight. Yeah. yeah. Um, and last but not least, Lori from Little Women. The love. Okay. A solid right. choice. All right. Let's let's go. Let's I don't go. even know. Okay, right. Who's in our first round? So we're doing a bracket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first round, Mr. Darcy versus Brett Butler. Um, oh that's a really hard, hard one. That's a really hard one. Um so I think, Okay, I'm gonna go I'm going with Mr. Darcy because they're both rich, and... If I was a date, uh, Is it date versus marry? No, but, you know, it's date, like, your boyfriend. He's, like, your long-term boyfriend. Um... I'm going, I'm going red. I think I would have, I think I would have more fun with red. Darcy is, like, good and, like, rich, but, yeah, they're both rich. And, like, Darcy... I don't know, I just think Brett and I would have more fun, like, out on the town. Like, yeah, Darcy, but like, I, like, couldn't... Home tolerate his relationship with Belle I would like that's like a no for me like you're not still gonna go to the whorehouse that is not true I know I agree that she's not a bad person too but like I'm you're not gonna go to um I, I just like I don't I I'm just I'm just saying for me I I would have a hard time I like Red because I like the way he jokes on Charlotte when he like brings her breakfast and shit and has a big poopy bed I literally have the picture framed in my bedroom. And so all my honeymoon, Scarlett was in my big bed. And then he and just brings her things, yeah. Yeah, that's because that's, like, my ultimate goal. So that's why I'm going with Brad. Okay, I'm going to go with Mr. Darcy. Are we doing separate ones? Well, yeah, I guess. Okay, so then, okay, so we'll do the first round picks. Okay, so okay. I'm going to do, I'm going to do mine, and then I'll write yours on here. Okay. okay. Second, okay, next, Jamie Frazier versus Romeo. Jamie Fraser, easy. Really? Oh, for sure, easy. I love Jamie Fraser. I love his character. I think, I mean, I, I love him in the books, and I think that it, he, it is like the, Sam Hewton is like the most perfect casting ever of Jamie, and that is like a no-brainer. I also don't like Romeo. I think he's like a baby. No, he's not. I think he's stupid. Romeo. Oh, my God. Okay, this is so different. How interesting. Really? Yeah, Why would you go with like Romeo? A, you, you would be into Jamie. Like, I would be into Romeo. Like, that, 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 I feel like totally like, no. Wait, why do you like Romeo? That is so funny. I just do. I just, I, like, I, I, I just love Romeo. Really. Like, I'm not, like, fucking lame. Like, I hate saying that. Because I, I actually do really enjoy the play. And, like, I, I, I read it, like, fairly often because I can't. Oh my god, can you play this episode for your therapist? Like, what the fuck? he's a super he's a doormat he's a pushover and I like I don't like people to me that that whole relationship with him and Katniss was him like just giving her like free pass to do like whatever she wanted 
And I know. I, yeah. just, I honestly don't like them wearing clothes that much. I just like them. Actually, I think I don't like them because I don't like Jennifer Lawrence, and now I can't. Yeah, I agree. That was probably cast. I, I can't, like, unattach the thing in my mind. Okay, this one's hard. Okay. Jay Gatsby. Mr. Gatsby. Jay Gatsby. Mm-hmm. Gatsby. Why do I call him Mr. Gatsby? I know. I was like, who's Mr. Um, Gatsby? <laughs> or Jacob Black. Um, Jacob. Really? I thought yeah. Gatsby would have such a good time. Gatsby is um, again, a lunatic. I want him to be obsessed with me for like 10 years. We never see each other again, but he lights a freaking light every single night. That's that's, that's creepy for, to me. And for the color of money for me. I that's want him creepy. to change his entire life <laughs> and gotten super rich. Just for you. Money. Yeah, I think yeah. that's really creepy. <laughs> I don't like it. super appeal to me but I do like Edward's character versus Mr. Darcy I'm gonna go with Edward too because Mr. Darcy treated me like shit if I'm Elizabeth he treated me like shit at first and I I have a chip on my shoulder about that so I think that might become an issue later on in our relationship oh excellent excellent I love I, I love the thinking ahead <laughs> okay um okay for me it's Mr. Rochester or Romeo okay I love I love Mr. Rochester because he's also like he's like crap but he's got like a good zero percent Mr. Rochester yeah like none I don't like him I like him I like him I like him in like the movie version um Mm, no I think it's like sweet at the end when he's like lying and just to take care of him yeah only then was he like in his was he like acting like a human being and not being like a psychopath when he was like no no that's not true when they're him and Jane were like Having, like, he had a secret there. wife that he was trapping okay, well, in the she, attic. She burned everything down. She's a crazy person. She, because um, she was trapped in a cat in an attic. How apropos is that to yeah, quarantine? I'm okay, <laughs> I'm going with Romeo. Okay, I'm, still, I'm still going with Romeo. Okay. Um, so for you, Mr. Rochester or Jamie? I guess obviously it's Jamie. Oh, duh. That's easy. Okay. Harden, Scott, from after. For you, for both of us. Oh, um, you know, I don't like Harden actually. So I, know you don't. I think he is um, abusive. So I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. go. I'm gonna go. I think he's abusive and has like very severe mental health issues and needs to be addressed. So I'm gonna go with Luke, even though I don't like Luke that much. So that's me. Hmm, interesting. I'm torn because there's times I like Harden, yeah. There's other times I like being such a jerk. But a lot of times, like Tessa in the books, like. Tessa's an idiot as well. So they like they're actually a perfect match because they're both stupid and juvenile and can like be yeah. each other's. Okay, I guess if I'm thinking like long term, who do I really want as my boyfriend? Like, yeah, I want Luke. I'd rather have someone stable. Yeah, for sure. I'm not into the ball Okay, um, ooh, for me, Lori from um, Little Women. Uh, Little Women versus Gatsby. Um, mm. I'm gonna go Lori just because I love him. Yeah. What about you for Lori versus Jacob? Oh, it's Lori. Oh, shit. That's a really hard one. Lori versus Jacob. Lori. I like Jacob. I would actually probably prefer Jacob over Edward, but I would, I'm going to say Lori over Jacob. You would, what, what, what are you talking about? I think I've like, I've changed. So when I was reading the books, I was very much like, oh, for sure, Edward. Um, yeah, duh. But then I think that, I think I've, I've changed my, because I feel like, I don't know. I just like I. I think if in the in the real world, I think I would probably be more drawn to Jacob's personality than Edwards. Yeah, you would. Yeah. I would be like, oh my god, who was that brooding quiet guy? Yeah. I think I would think he was a fucking weirdo. I think you would too. You and Jacob would like go on hikes or something together. Yeah. 
Edward and I would like go lie in flower fields. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I would love to lie in a flower field with Edward. And then we'd like, or we'd like, um, he'd turn me into vampire, and then we both had to run really fast and go ahead. Mm, have fun. <laughs> yeah. I know. We'd have a great time. And then you'd be like, like I don't know, like picking up, like cleaning up after like all the werewolves. <laughs> you'd be like cooking meals for the werewolves boys. <laughs> literally horrible. Oh my god, that is not true. Yes, it is. That's, no. that's what would happen. Okay. Um, semifinal. No, quarterfinals. Okay. No, this is the semifinal. I, I don't get how this works. Okay. Edward. So we get to Edward versus Romeo. Mm, this is really hard for me. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I think. Uh, I think I'll go Edward. Uh, for you, it's Edward versus Jamie. Oh, shit, that's really hard, too. And Jamie. Oh, it's just going to look so hard. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm just, it's... Okay, okay, okay. Who would I really want as my boyfriend? Okay. Edward. Okay. Who, okay, if I could, like, literally date either of them right now, they're, like, standing in front of me. Um, I, they're, they're both, like, very similar. They, they yeah, but you don't have, you don't know as much about Romeo's personality, because it's just based on, like, his want, his desire for Juliet. Like, he doesn't really have a full, well-rounded personality. That's just my opinion. Yeah, that's true. You're right. I know more about Edward. Yeah, so if I have it's a safer bet. Right yeah, you're right. Okay. Um, oh, this one. It is one's easy. Uh, Luke Brandon versus Lori. Oh, Lori. Yeah, for sure. Okay. so hard. I know. That's so hard. And you could literally date one of So, with Jamie, you have, like, Scottish stuff. Take in mind, you can take it as have other stuff. So you have to eat, like, dirty, rotten, like, old Scottish food. Do I have to live back in Outlander times? Um, yeah. So, we're, we're going to their century, or their, like, thing. The same with Lori. you have to spend, like, some time there. Maybe you can bring them back in your time, but... Um... <sighs> I'm trying to think because yeah, you, you have to live in the highlands for some time. Okay, that's not so bad. I mean, like I, I think you know, I, I, re- I like that Jamie. I mean, all our last episode, you know, Jamie's very like, um, he's got it together. He's very masculine. He's like protective. That's like kind of a lot of things that I really like. Um, he's smart too, which I value also. I, and which, so I like that. I'm thinking he does have a temper problem for sure. So that's yeah, like, mm, what do you say? And I don't. I uh, know I do. So it's like that's. I know. I know. Yeah. I'm so like, you know, it's well, like. Yeah, and I'm thinking. So and I. So I. I really like Lori because he's like very loyal and he's. Um. He's also really smart and he's like fun and funny. And he's like he's like he's like from like a wealthy society, but he's also like a like a good human. So he's like doesn't like buy into that so much. Right. Um. But he's also kind of like he had his like fuckboy days when he was like in Paris. So it's like. Yeah, but this is like post. Is it like post fuckboy phase? I guess. Um. Well, you have to do. I don't. I mean, maybe it's. I, yeah. Because if you're dating, then yeah. But you have to this is so hard. I think I I think I feel like you're leaning toward Jamie. I am. I think I would probably if I was like had the two in front of me, like Christian Bale and like Sam Hewitt and like those characters. I think I would just. Mm, it's, it's I'm really torn. I think I would go with. I think I would. I think Jamie. I think that's more my personality. Yeah. All right. That's that's your winner. You're, Annie, your Annie. Wow. Your ultimate literary boyfriend is Jamie. Okay. So now for me. It's between Edward and Lori, and this is hard. That is really but hard. But after listening to your reasoning, I think I think I would I love Edward, but I think I would have a better time with Lori. I think so too. I think Lori. I think Lori and I have a similar sense of humor. We would. I love that line when he's like telling jokes. Like, can't you see his joke bashing around London? Yeah. And I'm like, yes, I want that. <laughs> we would have so much fun. We would like bash around. We just like. <laughs> Five yeah. We would just have fun. Yeah. So, so for me, Lori is my ultimate literary. Boyfriend. Is this Christian so Bale, Lori, or is this um, oh, no, Timothy? No, 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 no. 
Um, yeah, same. So then that puts Annie, Lori is your second place. Your mm-hmm. silver. My silver. For me, Edward is my silver. And then that brings us to the bronze league. Uh-huh. Um, so, Annie, for you, that's between Edward and Luke Brandon. I'm guessing you're going to go with Edward. Oh, my bronze is, what was it, between Edward? Oh, Edward, for sure. Yeah. And yeah. then my bronze is between Romeo and Luke Brandon. I don't know. I guess I think Luke is probably more stable Yeah. between these two, so I think we would probably have more in common, but maybe if he could get a little bit of, like, Romeo's obsession about... Yeah, he's like, missing a healthy dose, or an unhealthy dose, I should say, of... <laughs> of... Um, uh, wistful longing. Yeah, exactly. So maybe she could get some of that. So I'll, I'll, I'll play with that in my third. Okay. So then, okay, the ultimate winner is boyfriend, the winners are Jamie, Fraser, from Outlander, and Lori Lawrence, from Little, from Little Women. Those are great. I'm like, I'm not shocked. I'm a, I'm a little shocked that, so, yeah, I, I mean, it's just luck of the draw, man. It depends who you get in first round. Um, that some of them didn't make well, it, it higher. Well, it doesn't really matter because it doesn't, you would have to pick against the meter an hour later. Yeah, that's really, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's really no, it's just like whether you have to, it's whether you have to, gotta kill your baby now, you gotta kill him later. <laughs> Either way, it's gonna happen, so it's brutal. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would love to date any of these people. There. I would love to bash around. I would love to bash around. Can't you just see it? Bashing, bashing around. around I, love, I love the part when he's like, because I'm big, well, it works my little woman character is Amy, so they end up. Yeah, that is true. That is very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. I already know that we were perfectly compatible. Yeah. Get long because Andy says that I'm a narcissist. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Andy says that I'm a narcissist and then I'm selfish like Amy. Was I wrong? She's not, she's not wrong because I could myself definitely like burning something you would 100% do that you would burn it because like you couldn't do something that was out of my control yeah and you would also be like I want a new nose (laughs) yeah I agree okay guys that does it for today thanks so much for listening if you enjoyed this podcast please give us five stars and let us know what you enjoyed about it it helps so much follow us on instagram at the inner gem that's t-h-e-i-n-n-e-r-g-e-m feel free to dm us anytime with questions or suggestions um and you can find us on our website at gemmed g-e-m-m-e-d dot n-g-o And just a quick disclaimer that yes, I am a therapist, but no, I'm not your therapist. So please take everything we said today with a grain of salt. And if you feel that you need help, reach out to an individualized professional. Thank you.